Salutations and shit, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit. Uh, this is your host, D. Carrie. Uh, this travel podcast is more about the experiences and what was learned of travel as opposed to the how-to of travel. And this week, I am excited to remind you guys that listeners of Taji of Travel and Shit are going to receive 20% off new digital subscriptions to Taji Magazine. So head over to tajimag.com, support a black business, where um, the editor and creator, Namery, is reclaiming and highlighting um, our images and our stories. And by our, I mean black. Um, and I am their travel writer, so you also be supporting me. So definitely head over to tajimag.com, subscribe, and receive 20% off by using code travel and shit. All right, so commercial, done. This week, I am going to quickly wrap up how Bali went and jump into this week's topic. So this week's topic actually is inspired by, inspired to, inspired by how Bali went for me. Um, On the last day, I ended up having an excursion and it was a... Airbnb booked excursion and I went to swim with the mantas those are like huge stingray looking things they're really big and unfortunately well first of all let me say I was scared shitless um I was terrified to do it and that made me want to do it even more um outside of your comfort zone is where all of growth and all the incredible things will happen for you in your life yeah so I was definitely afraid to do it. And I kind of feel bad because I was really, in hindsight, I was hoping that like my apprehension of actually swimming with them didn't kind of put the energy into the universe for it not to happen because it ended up not happening. So the waters were too rough. They were too choppy. And the boat couldn't stop uh, in the area where we were supposed to stop so that we could swim with them. We also had to bypass, I want to say, one of the snorkeling spots or something. So we had to bypass quite a few different spots so that we could um, stay safe. And that's never um, at the fault of the tour operator because they're not Mother Nature. They can't control, you know, the weather. They can't control the conditions with which they have to sail under. So it was on a really nice boat. It was maybe 20 of us on there. Shout out to Shannon Eric. They were um, this really dope um, brother and sister that were from the States. I think Shan is from, I think they're both from Atlanta. Well, they, yeah, they're both from Atlanta. But um, shout out to both of them. They were mad cool and definitely um, made me enjoy the day so much more. I really, really love vibing with black people when I go on my trips, especially when I meet them on the excursions that I choose to book. When I did the hike, I was with a bunch of white kids. They really got on my nerves initially, but then, I mean, they fucking grew on me. Yeah, it was, you're hiking up a mountain in the dark for two hours. And um, yeah, I didn't know them. They weren't exactly uh, very easy to talk to initially. We, you know, 
you, you try to find something to talk about just to keep the conversation going so that you're not thinking about the hike. So for the little bit that we did converse, I appreciate, you know, the conversation, you know, conversation is conversation, right? But Eric and Shan, shout out to y'all, y'all forever crew. And, um, they made the day for me. We ended up doing incredible, incredible snorkeling, um, someplace in the ocean and it was beautiful. I enjoyed the snorkeling experience more so here than I did in Cuba. I jumped off the side of the boat, which was pretty cool. Um, that's how we got in for the snorkeling. You just swing your feet over and ah, you just, just you know throw yourself in the water. So that was kind of fun. Um, we had two different snorkeling spots. I had been snorkeled out from the first time. We saw a lot of really great... Um, sea life turtles I guess I don't know if it was an eel an electric eel or like a sea snake or something I am not a marine biologist that was not what my degree is in but um beautiful beautiful bright colored fish um did I mention a turtle I really was feeling the turtle um starfish like electric blue starfish like beautiful beautiful color um finding Nemo looking ass Dory and What's whatever Ellen's um, Dory is Ellen's character. Um, so the the Nemo looking ones, like the blue ones, and um, Nemo's blue, right? I think Nemo's blue. Pretty sure Nemo's blue and Dory's yellow. Or is it the opposite? I think it's the opposite. Ne- Nemo's yellow, right? That <laughs> nigga don't know. I think Nemo is yellow and Dory is blue. Either way, bright ass fucking fish. And um, what do you call it? Uh, reefs like coral reefs and stuff. Sadly, the current was so like and what's really wild about water and i'm sure a lot of you it it makes sense if you think about it the it's hard to gauge how far or near something is because the water magnifies a lot of things so as you're looking through the mask i'm looking down at the stuff under me and i can't like i'm swimming over the the reef now and i don't know how close the shit is i am if i reach out is it going to be that close if i pull my knees up am i going to heat am i going to hit it like where we at with it so the current got to a point where it wouldn't allow me to swim anymore so i was I looked up and I saw that um, the guide and one of the other girls was standing. And I didn't want to stand on the on the, the reef because, you know, like, oh, the reef is dying. Woo, woo, woo. And you don't want to break it. It's an ecosystem. But a bitch was tired. And so I was trying to stand on it. And I just I couldn't even stand like it. I just kept getting pulled. And I was trying to swim for maybe a solid two minutes and did not move. Like, I, I'm not even exaggerating. I was trying so hard. And it was one of those things in just having to talk yourself through not panicking because I wasn't going anywhere and I just didn't want to like get swept away and lost in the fucking ocean because I'm like I don't know how many I don't know if this nigga's really trying to you know keep track of all of us that are in here you know so anyway so I have to say a bitch is here so I'm alive I didn't die I didn't get lost in the sea so yay but I had a great time and after that we kind of just uh, at the next stop we just lounged on the top of the boat got some good sun that was my that was the picture in, I think, the green bathing suit. Yeah. So holla at the uh, Instagrams, underscore D-Carry, D-C-A-R-I-E. And um, check out those pictures. I got like a billion pictures, different poses and the same shit. And it's just, uh, Insta- I don't understand why Instagram is so exhausting to me. I'm trying to be consistent, y'all. Shout out to the, the guys of Worldwide FGI 
who I have successfully managed to stretch a week's worth of posts out of their (laughs) pictures and video. And they were a great time last week. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, But yeah, I am having not the time of my life with figuring out captions for uh, photos of me. So that was a really easy fix considering there were four of them. Um, And one thing, side note, while we're not on the topic, I promise to never be one of those influencers, if you will, where it's all just pretty pictures, fake deep captions, and fluff. Give me some information. Give me some content. Give me something funny. Give me something that actually means something. Give me, you know, a little heart nudge every once in a while. I, yeah, I promise and commit to being authentic as I continue on this journey. Yeah, motherfuckers can guarantee that because editing the pictures and girl, girl, not my shit. So that was the end of Bali. After I did the uh, snorkeling ocean shit, the food at the place we went to eat was all right. It Honestly, nothing to write home about. Um, but the view was incredible. It was like a beautiful hotel restaurant with like this really expansive view of just like uh, like trees and then the ocean. Usually like when you envision seeing like the ocean, I feel like it's just more beachy stuff, but it was so much greenery. It was incredible. And the end of the night was me hustling to the tattoo shop to get this tattoo and then hit the plane. So I got back to my villa, stripped down, was about to hit the shower when my host calls me. Hi, are you back? Yeah, bro, just got here. Okay, well, my friend is outside waiting for you. He's going to bring you to go get your tattoo. I'd ask my host when I got there if he knew anyone that did tattoos. Is the shop close? Yes to both. Great. He'll set something up for me. I never confirmed a time. Well, I said that it'd probably be around like, five or six o'clock well apparently this guy committed to the six o'clock he'll be there so he was there I asked him just give me a little bit of time I had to shower and get my shit ready so that I could go straight to the airport afterwards needless to say I got to ride a motorbike and it was quite fucking exciting so my dad's really into the uh motorcycle thing not my thing I don't do motorcycles the one time I rode on the back of my dad's bike I think the trip was maybe three miles. I cried for two. I, I like literal tears. I cried on the back of the motorcycle and had my eyes closed for two of the three miles. The last mile, I kind of loosened up. And my dad's not like, it's a Harley. Like it's a roadster or a road king. I don't know. He said it a million times. I promise I listen, daddy, but I don't listen for retention um, or for repetition. And he's a very safe driver. I am never in fear of my safety when I'm with my dad. It's just the people around you when you're on a bike. It's You don't have four wheels, nor do you have four doors and two bumpers and a roof to keep you safe. So it's always other drivers that make me nervous when it comes to uh, bikes. So it was additionally a little jarring, if you will, to be in a foreign country where the driving patterns are fucking batshit. Like they're everywhere. They just drive wherever, but everybody drives like that. And it's like a united, 
front of nigga I gotta get where I gotta go like they cut like I don't want to say they cut you off but like most streets are like the size of a good size one way if that makes sense they are when you look at them they don't really seem like they should have two ways of traffic but they do and when you and a lot a lot a lot of the population rides on the motorbikes so you're constantly like you know going around them and then you also go around other cars but when you do that the other car unlike new york or unlike in the states the other cars don't speed up to try to keep you from getting in front of them they continue at the speed that they're going they let you go around and you're basically driving on the wrong side of traffic like you're driving into traffic to get around the car that you're gonna you know circumvent so it's when you when it first happens, you like, yo, my nigga, like I'm trying to get to this place in like alive in one piece. But that's just the way their traffic pattern flows. And it's a little yikes when it first happens. But um, once you get used to it, it's kind of you realize that everyone is doing the same thing and it's expected. And the, you know, people drive and accommodate knowing that that's what's going to happen. So that was really interesting. One thing that I made sure to do while I was on this trip is to try to be present for a lot of it. I made sure to actively do nothing and just make sure that I vacationed while I was on vacation. I tried not to get too consumed with content. I tried to not get consumed with making sure I had photos and stuff like that. I just really wanted to, you know, enjoy my vacation. I didn't want to go on vacation and come back tired and need a break. I had the weekend when I came back because I came back on a Friday. And because of the time difference, I got here at like one o'clock in the afternoon or something like that on Friday. So I had the entire weekend to kind of pull my shit together, which still hasn't happened, by the way. I'm still not back to my normal sleep pattern. Usually I'm a total unusable mess by 9 p.m. and I'm in my bed, but now I'm like wide awake until 1 a.m. And now that I'm back to work, it's some days harder than others because I'm tired as hell. But um, yeah, still working on that. But say all that to say, I made sure to be present for a lot of different moments. When I first got there on Monday, I had nothing planned. I got a massage went out to eat, hung out at the pool, and just really tried to relax. Enjoyed that. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I had stuff booked, things to do. Tuesday was kind of like, I spent a good portion of Monday having Tuesday actually happen because I had to figure out a guide to just take me to, you know, different shit to see. When I was tired, I said, take me home. I didn't try to overdo it. I knew that I had reached my limit for the day and since it was one of those tours that I put together on my own I was able to you know say okay no I don't want to do anything else on the proposed itinerary you can we can cut it short so that was that was pretty cool about doing something a little uh more free free formed if you will and then Wednesday's the day I did the sunrise hike um, hiked up two hours in the dark, flashlights, I had a walking stick, did with a bunch of like 25 year olds, a bitch was tired and I was hurting. I took my time, made it to the summit, all the way up to the top, 
we, you know, they the guide made us breakfast, which was like a boiled egg, a banana sandwich, which was mad good. I did not expect to really enjoy the banana sandwich. I could have eaten like eight of them shits and yeah, been happy about it, but I had to. And the boiled egg and what else? Oh, these things, Tim Tams, Tan Tims, something. It's like a wafer and like chocolate, like it's like a chocolate bar kind of cookie. Them shits are good. I bought a pack of those to bring home. They're finished. Um, But those are really good. And you watch the sunrise. It wasn't as picture picturesque as I would have liked in terms of, if you will, getting a good photo. But it kind of, again, forced you to be present in the moment. You kind of had to just sit and kind of internalize that you went through a really difficult hike. For me, it was difficult because stamina for me is not my strong suit. I'll be, at the time of recording, I'll be 34 tomorrow. And I felt all of my 34 years. Um, my knee was already bothering me before I went out there. It didn't bother me on the trip, but it was a muscle somewhere in my right leg that was not cooperating. And I felt that for at least the last hour of the hike, maybe 45 minutes. So I definitely had to pace that. You get older and you listen to your body. You don't overdo it because I still had another two, three days or so, I think, at that point. But um, still that to say, got to the top. And since it wasn't as photographable as we would have liked it kind of just forced you to just sit and enjoy what came um good time the way down is much easier because i'm much bad much better with balance and body control so going down sliding hopping over stuff and finding footing is much easier for me um with the added help or the added hindrance whatever you're um fancy to perceive it is of gravity so um the girl that was on the trip hated the way down she complained most of the way down is because it was more difficult for her the way it was as difficult for her as the way up was for me but um everybody's different right so i enjoyed the way down so much more because there was much more scenery the, the sun was up oh and at the top also Yo, wild scary because it narrows out in a lot of different places. You're in the clouds. It's 1717. It was 1717 meters up. And I think it's three feet to a meter. So somebody do the math. If that's your thing, that's how high up we were. So you're in the clouds, literally. Like that was another reason why we couldn't really see the sunrise as clearly because the cloud just kept going through it. Like we were in the cloud, like the clouds were passing around us. Um, so there's tons of like clouds and fog, if you will. So you can't really like you're looking over like the, the cliff, like the side of the mountain, if you will. And you don't know if there's like a straight drop. Is there a ledge? Is it like just open? Is there an abyss? You don't know what the fuck is surrounding you, except you can only just see like this road or like this space that you're walking on. And it was very crowded. There were dozens, if not maybe hundreds of people trying to walk like the same paths because there's a lot of steam at the top. So, cause it's an active volcano also Mount, um, I think it's Mount Bantor, B-A-N-T-U-R. Yeah. Mount Bantor is, um, an active volcano in Bali. So there's tons of steam to the point where I think the guy lit a cigarette with it, which to me sounds a little counterintuitive because if it's steam, that means it's hot water. So how are you going to ignite something with water, but 
I was so scared that I was not listening to everything he was saying. I was just worried about bitch don't fall. But anyway, steam, the shit was hot. And it was cool to walk around and see the different points with which it, you know, came, it arose and yeah, we was out. So that was fun. Went to hot spring after, blah, blah, blah. Great views. The water was cool because it was like, you know, a little warm. But I heard one of the kids told me we all sat together and ate and that made for, um, you know, I guess getting to know each other a little better because we sat and we sat around for like an hour, maybe a little bit longer eating. Um, But we kind of chilled and vibed and then talked on the ride. And, you know, we got along much better after we spent more time talking to each other. But um, they he was telling me that they actually cooled the water down. Like if they would have used the temperature that it naturally came from, like the hot springs, that it still would have been too hot. So that was an interesting little tidbit. Um, It was nice, but it was a lot of flies, which made it really uncomfortable. Um, After that, we did a Luwak coffee plantation. Tons, like so many incredible coffees. I spent mad money, bought bought stuff home. So now I've got a ton of teas and coffees. Um, they make chocolates and I don't even like chocolate like that. Like, do I like chocolate? Yes. But am I like consistently seeking out chocolates? No. Um, but there was a lot like the chocolate that they made there. Mad good. Enjoyed. If there were like eight different chocolates, I really, really loved like seven of them. There was only one that I didn't. Um, it was one other thing we did and I don't remember what it was. So moving along. Bali for me was less than a like incredible trip. Everybody's been asking me, oh, how was it? And I'm like, it was all right. They're like, it was just all right? It was okay? It's Bali. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting, um, shout out to Marissa. I was speaking with her and she gave me tons of details on her trip. Definitely check her out. She's Unicorn in Brooklyn. She's got a travel blog and incredible um, Instagram posts. And she's a really good friend of mine. And we were talking about Bali. She gave me, you know, tons of information. And she was basically saying, sis, you're gonna love it because it's one of those places where you get there and then all of a sudden, when it hits, it hits. What everyone is saying about how incredible Bali is, like resonates when it like settles in, it's, it's insane. And once it, you know, settles, if you will, on you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It never settled on me. I will say in all fairness to Bali, I only really experienced Ubud and, um, you know, the places where my excursions were. So, you know, for the most part, driving an hour or so in or out of the city in that general area. I know um, Jakarta is about, I want to say like an hour's flight away. I think I'm not 100% certain. I know Shannon Eric flew out to Jakarta. Um, Seminyak, I think, is another city that a lot of people seem to really enjoy in Bali. So definitely, I mean, in Indonesia. So definitely consider staying in other cities in Bali if you're in the area and then just other places in Indonesia in general. This way um, you can have a more... I guess, inclusive feel for how you like, what do you call it? Um, the country. So I had quite a few great experiences in Bali, but overall Bali doesn't sit on the list of places 
that I can reflect back on and say, yo, that was one of the best trips I had in my life or I learned a lot in that location. And here's why. I've learned and identified about myself what my travel style is. I enjoy connecting with and um, experiencing locals. That is why I prefer Airbnbs. I tend not to stay at hotels. I tend not to, um, you know, stay at large, not even like, you know, boutique hotels, you know, like smaller non-chain establishments. I prefer Airbnb because for one, you get to discuss things with your host so they can give you suggestions, places to do things, do shit to see and all that other kind of stuff. And you're generally in a regular neighborhood. So you can see how, you know, kids play. You can see, you know, how families experience each other, what the kids, if they're in school at the, at the time that you're there, you know, how they look in their little uniforms or, you know, what their school hours are and what the flows and the ebbs and, well, the ebbs and the flows of a community during regular, you know, life happenings, how it kind of, how it happens. So personally, that's why I prefer Airbnbs. But I also enjoy um, travel experiences where I'm able to connect with locals. And looking back, those are the trips that I have enjoyed the absolute most. I did not get that while I was in Bali. My host was great. Everybody that I met while I was in Bali in terms of, you know, the Bali people were incredible. Everybody was accommodating. Everybody was kind. Um, everybody, except for two of the ladies that were got on my nerves at the grocery store because um, they refused to break the bill that she just gave me. Um, was just, no, we're, we're done. We're closing. We don't have it. We're closing. We don't have it. All right. I get that. It's either like at the end of the night, you could either have nothing left because you've done it all or you're going to have fucking everything because it's the end of the night and you had all day to accumulate bills. So I know one of y'all motherfuckers has changed for this 50 right here. And by 50, I mean, it's not like 50 American dollars. It was like 50,000, um, RMIs or rupees or what, I don't remember what they call the currency. So it it was, just frustrating as all fuck but one of my drivers ended up being there in the area so he ended up getting changed for me at another store they told him no too at the supermarket and that made me feel a lot better so it's just like okay so you're not just telling me this because I'm not from here um but I will say in that area that I was staying in Abu there were quite a few foreigners now I don't know if they any of them were expats I don't know if any of them were just you know vacationers people on holiday and all that kind of shit but I did notice in that supermarket um, and even walking the the street that there were a lot of non-locals. So it was relatively touristy. So sometimes people take that out on you, um, you know, because they're just tired of tourists in their area. Because tourists are assholes in a lot of different contexts. So I, um, yeah, didn't have any issues with local people it wasn't like that's why I didn't connect it just didn't really seem to happen my drivers except for one um weren't um so for some of them English was a little bit more difficult to communicate in and I had you know really early pickups for a lot of it so I did sleep through you know some of them or I was trying to rest or just trying to take in you know the shit I was looking at while I was, um, you know, while I was in the car. But I, oh, I had a decent conversation with um, the tour guide. 
he was telling me, you know, stuff about his family and we had a good conversation. But overall, I didn't have any uh, interactions with locals that I feel like were anything substantial. I did, however, really connect with the tour guide that I had while I was in Shanghai. And heads up, she's going to be a guest on a future episode. When I tell you she put me on to mad shit that was just like totally mind blowing, like fucking blown. Like there's so many little things that I never even considered outside of an American context. So I'm really, really excited for that episode because I think it's going to open a lot of people's eyes to things that we see as issues where seeing it being dealt with by someone from another country, you, it kind of makes you check your American privilege. You know what I mean? So that's going to be a fun one. But in the spirit of not really loving Bali as much as I would have, um, I'm going to say expected. Well, yeah, expected. This week, I'm going to talk about travel and disappointment. When expectations aren't met and plan B gets put into full effect. So following up after Bali, and this is in no particular order, would, let's go with Barcelona. So, and I've told most of these stories before, so I'm definitely not going to, you know, expound too much for the sake of the length of the episode, because we don't necessarily need to be here all day. But if you have any other questions, um, definitely DM me. A lot of you guys have been doing that so far. Um, thank you to you guys. Oh, and fun shout out. Hold on. So I'm looking at the analytics and the stats, right? Shout out to those of you listening from UK, South Africa, Japan, Australia, and Barbados. Those are the one, two, three, four, five, the top five country, top five foreign countries where I've got listeners. That's pretty fucking cool. So, hey, y'all, what the fuck is up? Thanks for listening to Travel and Shit. So, um, Barcelona, I ended up booking an, not an Airbnb, it was a hotel on Expedia. And I booked this hotel because it said that they had a airport shuttle. Little did I know. And mind you, I couldn't cancel after I booked. Heads up, confirm everything before you book, especially when you can't cancel it. When I call to confirm and then schedule for a pickup for the shuttle, they then informed me that there was no shuttle and that I'd have to take a taxi. And mind you, I had already had the international plan on my phone when I made that call, but I made the call from the, from the States because that whole trip was, um, was that one of the trips that was changed? No, it wasn't. So disregard that part. But I already had the international plan on my phone. But because I was calling from the United States, it was, it's some weird shit with, I have AT&T. It was something weird where they were like, yeah, it only covers calls that are made from outside of the country. But if you call another country from the country, it doesn't count and you get charged like that long distance roaming, which to me is fucking asinine because I have, it's an international plan. Why does it matter what country I'm fucking calling from? The point in having the international plan is so I can call other countries, right? They don't see it that way. So definitely check with your provider so you don't get hit with that shit. So long story short, I learned to follow through with the um, amenities of a accommodation before 
you confirm or before you pull that trigger um, or step outside of your cancellation window. So I ended up spending so much money in taxis and not being able to experience Barcelona the way I wanted to because it was a full like 45 minutes to an hour outside of the city. It was beautiful. I think I stayed, was it Baga? I don't know. I think it's Lagagria or La Lagagra. I don't really know how to pronounce it, but it was beautiful. Mountains, incredible. Absolutely incredible scenery. Their little downtown area was quite dead, very dry. It was really nothing to do. Um, and I learned that lesson the hard way because it cost me like $70 on the low end, one way to the city. I ended up spending $90 to get from the airport. So I knew I had to spend another $90 to get back. And when there's traffic, there's traffic. So of course that's going to inflate your cost because if you're going with the metered cab, it's a pain in the dick. You're gonna end up paying more. So that was already almost $200 just getting to and from the airport. And then I had to pay that same money again to get to the area that I wanted to do shit in. So I basically wasted an entire day because I think I got in at like 2 p.m. I was thinking that I could go to Barcelona, do like a beer crawl, go see all the really great architecture, maybe hit a museum or something. No, bitch, because it was going to cost me $200 just to get to the city to do that shit. And I knew that I'd already booked a tour that I had to be in on like the next day. So, yeah, there's that on that. Definitely. Um didn't enjoy Barcelona the way I would have liked to because of where I was staying. Um, there were other things about Barcelona that I loved. So if you have any questions, let me know. Qatar, I learned the hard way that you should look into how much of a window you have to book an excursion or an activity when you're using an app. I ended up paying way more than I would have wanted to, um, to do like the desert experience that I wanted to do. I think it was like $75 on Expedia, but I ended up spending almost $300 on it because I missed the window. Um, similar to that was in Thailand, I went to, um, when I was in Qatar, I was in Doha in the capital. In uh, Thailand, I did Phuket and that was the first time I ever experienced jet lag. Before Thailand, I had a 72 hour layover in Doha and then I hit Thailand and it ended up, it, it took a day for me. It hit so hard. I just did not want to wake up and it was rainy. It was just ugh, trash. So I slept that entire day. I think I ordered room service and took my ass back to sleep. So I missed the window that I could have gotten to Fifi Island. That's that uh, beautiful island. You've seen it on tons of pictures of Thailand. It's one of those famous beaches that they advertise for people to come see. And I believe that's where they um, filmed uh, the beach with DiCaprio. So yeah, I missed that opportunity because I didn't prepare for jet lag and I didn't basically push through. But I learned, listen to your body. When your body tells you to rest, rest, because you're never really going to, um, you know, miss an experience that's for you. You're just, even in regular life, you're never going to miss anything that's for you. So just take life as it is, and, you know, go for what it is you want, but at the same time, try not to beat yourself up um, when disappointment hits. I ended up doing plan B, and in that case, plan B was a total shit show. I was staying walking distance to a beach. It was Karan Beach, and the shit was disgusting. It was disgusting in the most literal 
of the sense. There was trash all over the beach. You got into the water and there was trash floating in the water. You couldn't see um, into the water because the water was dirty. Like it's, it was worse than New York dirty. Like you get in the water and then something's touching your leg and you can't even tell what it is because you can't see into your, like you couldn't even see your feet once you got into the water. So I think I did a whole 90 seconds of that and I did not let the water get past my knees because it doesn't need to go everywhere, you know? But yeah, major disappointment. I ended up just trying to enjoy as much of the sun and the experience as I could. So that was like the, Thailand is supposed to be known for some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And I didn't experience not a one of them. So for me, Thailand was quite the disappointment. And also like the temples and the experiences that I did were incredible. I ended up really getting um, a nice introduction, if you will, to Buddhism. And it opened up a lot of different avenues of thought for me. So Thailand in and of itself was a good trip, but I definitely did experience quite a bit of disappointment there. Another trip that I was very disappointed in was um, London. That was after, shout out to Terry O, our, um, after our episode, Terry had me thinking that I could be like him and, you know, show up to a destination with nothing but a return flight and just figure it out as I go. Well, another part of my travel style is that ain't it. So I had done, that was maybe the fourth country in that week. And it wasn't that it was like overdone because I didn't feel overworked. I didn't feel overtraveled. It was a little taste of this and a little taste of that. I started in Norway. I had a day and a half, two days there. I saw the Northern Lights. It was incredible. That's what I went for. I had a, it, it was great. I had an excellent, excellent connection with my host. Um, and here for that, she made me pizza. We had wine. We sat, we talked, connected with the local. It was incredible loved um what was that netherlands from netherlands i ended up having a day in austria the metro is incredible it's probably the best metro i've ever experienced and i traveled around good times went to the city went to a store went to get something to eat you know decent time nothing to write you know it wasn't anything overly exciting or anything incredible it's just like all right well I liked Austria for the little bit of time that I was there and the little bit that I did get to experience then I did three days in Rome okay so I can start there because Rome was also another disappointment so again something that I learned about my travel uh, style is that I need to do investigating before I get to a location I kind of need to figure out why I want to go someplace now I love religious spots, religious destinations, whether they be a church, a temple, a mosque. Um, I've never been to a synagogue, I don't think. No, pretty certain I haven't been to a synagogue. Very certain I haven't been to a synagogue. But um, I enjoy all, all holy temple, all holy places, because they tend to be the most beautiful buildings you will ever step foot in. People take their religions very fucking serious. And um, for those of you that are very religious, my God knows I curse, and we're cool with it. So... Sorry if you're offended, but I'm not. Um, so yeah, not changing that. But they tend to be the most beautiful buildings you will ever step foot into. And I like pretty things. So I definitely enjoyed um, 
was it St. Pe- yeah, St. Peter's Basilica. Was it St. Peter's that I was at? I think so. Yeah, it was um, the Sistine Chapel that I wasn't able to get into. Vatican City was closed, not closed, but that area was shut shut down basically. But um, St. Peter's Basilica, I'm pretty sure that's where I was, and I loved it. I tend to pray in any holy place that I'm in, even if it's a Buddhist temple or if it's um, you know, a Thai temple, a Chinese temple, whatever it is, I have my relationship with God and, you know, I'm going to, I guess, practice from wherever I am in any space. Um, I'm also more so spiritual than I am religious. No, I'm not more so. I am more spiritual than I am religious. I was born and raised Catholic, but I don't subscribe to Catholicism at all. Hey, grandma. Sorry, girl. Um, but that ship has sailed. I am more for learning about all different types of religions. And it's just, you know, being here for good energy, being here for positive positivity and being good to people. So in Rome, I think that I should have done more investigating. I shouldn't have gone with whatever I could remember from high school because I definitely was underwhelmed with everything that I went to go see. Um, I think Trevi Fountain was the the nicest thing that I went to see. Um, but that's because of the time, the time of day, the lighting was nice. I think it was at night and it was just really pretty. Other than, no, Trevi Fountain, I think, I don't even know which one it was. See, you, you start to see just so much shit and it just kind of rolls into itself. But the Parthenon was cool, but I wasn't paying to get in. So I just walked around the perimeter. Um, you know, saw what I could see from the outside. All right, cool. I went to, uh, what was it? Was that the part? No, that was the Coliseum. That's what I was, I was just talking about the Coliseum. That one was, I refused to pay, I refused to pay to get into anything. Um, I was definitely going to be a peripheral kind of viewer. It just, whatever I can see from the outside, whatever I can see for free was for me. So the Coliseum walked around the perimeter. When I got to the Parthenon, it was like, oh, this shit is mad small. And I know that, you know, Plato, Aristotle, and all them people probably spoke there, but it was just, at that time, nothing was resonating. I couldn't remember anything really that um, happened there that was of any significance to me. So the little stories that I made up for myself ended up being entertaining because I ended up finding a church. I don't know whose church it was. I don't think it was anything um, touristy. I just ended up stumbling across it as I was walking down one of the side streets, side streets. And um, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. The, all the stained glass windows and there was like a really tiny fountain, maybe 50 feet from the doors. And, you know, I came up with my own little story and it was a great experience for me. But overall, all the stuff that, you know, people make a big deal out of going to see just didn't resonate for me. So I learned in Rome that, you know, and I didn't really vibe with any of the locals except for, I know his Instagram is Sputnik H2O. I cannot remember for the life of me what his real name is, but he was mad cool. He was one of the bartenders at the bar that was, um, I think it was called the Pink Elephant. I don't remember, but I think it was called the Pink Elephant. I remember one of the coasters had a pink elephant on it. But anyway, there was this bar that a friend of mine, hey Vinny, uh, referred me to. And 
it was walking distance from my Airbnb. Everything was walking distance from my Airbnb. I loved that about Rome. But um, yeah, so that was cool. I was able to vibe with him. And I think I had a decent conversation with one of the other bartenders at the bar. So they were really nice there. I had a good time there, but that was, you know, there wasn't, um, actually, yeah. So I enjoyed Rome for that. Other than that, all this stuff to see, it was like, I think I had three full days there. So to only have had one decent night of conversation over that much of a time was kind of a letdown for me. Um, but yeah, so after Rome, Y'all, London, I showed up, no plan. I didn't have a hostel. And at that point, I had already overdrafted in the bank. So I had another credit card and I had cash on me, but I was trying to book um, a hostel. And I didn't know if they would, I, I assumed they would take the cash. But after all four days, I think it was like four or five days that I had been like moving around. And by then I was like, yo, I'm, I think I'm like mentally tapped out. Like I've checked out. I'm stressed. I basically had probably a mild level anxiety attack in the airport. I just sat there and cried. So I sat there and I think my dad called me. And for the first time in our lives, he did a really great job of calming me down. Usually he just like kind of pisses me off even more because he just tells me, what are you stressed for? What do you do? I'll send you money or I'll just, what do you, you, there's nothing to be stressed about. And he'll try to rationalize or, you know, just logic my way out of my way of thinking. But, you know. I tend to be very womanly in the sense where I feel what I feel and I'm feeling it right now. So fuck you and logic, you know, but he definitely did a great job. Shout out to my dad. Thank you for that, for um, really just keeping me focused on the present and helping me just, you know, work through what my options were and figuring out a good uh, resolution. So I definitely did not enjoy the show up and figure it out option. Now, is that to say I won't do it again? Nope. Because, you know, I often don't learn from my fuck ups or from my mistakes. But, um, you know, sometimes you got to repeat the lesson for it to really sink in. But also it could have been the location. It could have been that at the time I was stressed about my finances or it could have been um, could have been a lot of different things. But um, yeah, so London was a bit uh, underwhelmed, not underwhelming, because I ended up connecting with one girl from, I don't remember where she was from, but I met her in the hostel. She ended up dragging me out the room. Shout out to my friend Sharmila. She definitely FaceTimed me and was like, homegirl, you did not get this far for you to just sit in your room. Get up and go out. So um, shout out to the little tribe and the people that pulled me out of that funk. And really just like, you know, pushed for me to get out. So I enjoyed walking around London. I enjoyed, you know, um, going to see Big Ben, which sadly is under construction. And, you know, the, the what is it, the, the red eye, the wheel, something, you know, like that big carousel, the red one or whatever. And just walking around and just looking at, you know, the little pieces of art that popped up on the street along the way. So London somehow, even though it was as unplanned as Rome in terms of just walking around to see whatever I could see, I enjoyed it much more, I think because of the sentiment behind it, because the day started out so fucking rough for me, for it to end with me just kind of being present and in the moment, definitely uh, made that turn around. But yeah, that was one of the disappointing trips in terms of just things not working out the way I expected them to. So that was another testament to knowing what your travel style is. 
Are you okay with figuring shit out on the fly? How spontaneous are you? I schedule spontaneity. I am all cool with figuring out plan D, E, and F if need to, but I like to have a plan A, B, or C, you know? So it's kind of one of those things where, here's a good example, in dating, people say, oh, I'm really spontaneous. I love to just figure things out. No, bitch, have a plan for the date. Don't show up to my job to pick me up and then ask me what I want to do. That is the quickest way to drive me fucking crazy and to really piss me off. If you're taking me out, have a plan for a date. If we're hanging out, I need to know what we're doing. I need to know what kind of shoes I'm wearing. Am I dressing up? Am I dressing down? Because I'm really like a t-shirt and jeans kind of girl. So if for some reason we end up going someplace where I kind of could have put a look together, that might have been fun. You know what I mean? So I like knowing what's going to happen. If for some reason what was planned doesn't follow through, I'm all good with trying to figure out something to do on the fly. That's when we hit, you know, Google, Yelp, whatever. And okay, well, what's around us? Let's just find, let's walk around till we find a bar. Or after we finish something that was planned, okay, now let's walk around. Now let's explore the area. But that whole just planning to show up and figure it out as we get there drives me crazy. So, um, but again, that's knowing you and what works for you. Um, Alberta, one of the disappointing things was like arguing with my homegirl by the third day we were ready to choke each other out, but we got past all the passive aggressive shit. And, um, we really just had to talk through what was bothering us. We had to talk through our differences and we figured, and we identified what the differences in our, again, our travel styles were, and also just like our friend styles. Um, and we worked through that, but it was like so stressful to deal with as the day progressed and like as like you know the pebbles started to build and turn into the little mountain that we had to uh surmount see what i did there you know just weave them words together uh um shot put me on a track you see no, oh let me write for somebody no that probably won't work out well i'd have to work like really hard but you know sometimes it comes and sometimes it's good oh that's what she said but uh yeah so alberta that was really like stressful to have to go through the, um, the, you know, the bullshit with your friend. Nobody wants to fight with their good friends. And, um, we had to really come to head with what our different styles were and fix that. And we ended up having a great trip after. So it was just like a really tense day. And so that made me kind of sour about traveling with people only because she and I are so close and we get along so famously that it's just like, well, fuck, if she and I could kind of beef like this on a trip, like I don't really trust the whole vacationing with anybody else kind of thing, you know? So there's that. And then last but not least, my first trip that I ever left the country, Bermuda. I ended up going in January, which is definitely off season. So it was still decent weather. Like I left you know, New York as January as motherfucking weather and ended up going to, mind you, I didn't plan on going to Bermuda. I was supposed to go to Martinique that ended up getting canceled. Long story short, I ended up pulling out a plan shit D because it wasn't plan A, B or C. And um, I just basically went on Expedia and said, well, what's pretty cheap? What can I get to? And I booked it on Saturday and flew out Sunday. It was really that last minute because they called me the day that I was supposed to leave for uh, Martinique. It wasn't like, you know, a week beforehand, things fell apart. It was the day of like, Bestie Courtney, hey girl. 
um, happy belated birthday. She's a Leo too. She was braiding my hair. We had like five braids left to go. And I got the text message saying your flight's been canceled. So I ended up traveling off season. Off season, off season travel can either be frustrating or rewarding depending on how you do it. Um, rewarding in the sense where there are fewer tourists, there are fewer, you know, people hogging up the resources that are allotted to tourists and, um, things like beaches are a little bit emptier. You can get more of a feel for what actual community looks like in those places because you're not overrun by, you know, mass, uh, droves of tourists, especially when you're in a relatively touristy area like Bermuda. So there was the beauty in that that the uh, resort was pretty quiet. You were able to, you know, book whatever it is you wanted to book. You were able to get the slot that you wanted because there ain't that many people. However, it's, you know, I was by the beach. It was, a lot of it was, you know, I was planning to be in the water and stuff. But because of it being a little bit cooler, it was maybe the hottest it got while I was out there was maybe like 72 degrees. And I hit the beach. I definitely did. And I did get in the water. But it was also mostly around like 60 something degrees. It was maybe like 65 to 72 for most of the week that I was there. So all the water stuff that I wanted to do was inaccessible. They're not out there in the 60, 60 degree weather in the water. It wasn't a thing. So like if I wanted to, I could have snorkeled. But at that time, I'd never snorkeled before. So I, and I was, again, by myself. So I wasn't going to just start snorkeling at the beach and then end up in the middle of the ocean and then lost at sea kind of thing. I tend to, yeah, me and the ocean, we have a touch and go kind of relationship. But um, yeah, so I didn't get to, I wasn't able to do, even the, the what do you call it, like the tours in terms of walking around the city and the doing things weren't available to me because it's their low season. So a lot of places, you know, don't offer those options because it's their slow season. So why do I have to? They don't. So I ended up looking through all of the offerings on, I think it was Expedia at the time. And I picked out all the places that were of interest to me and I figured out how to get myself there. I also have to give props to Ms. Joyce. I will never forget her and her kindness. She was one of the, I guess, concierge members and she definitely helped me put together um, information. Cause I, again, I like seeing all types of black history whenever I can, when I travel, she definitely like, she wrote out a packet of information for me and had it left in my hotel room. She arranged for me to go visit their African-American. I think it was actually African-American. No, it was a black history museum, not African-American history, because I mean, I am aware that it's not American history in another country, but I, for some reason thought that it was, African-American history because something else, something is coming to my mind, but it's not clear enough for me to explain to y'all motherfuckers. But anyway, went to go see the Black History Museum. She definitely called ahead, made sure that it was going to be open, stay open for my arrival. And she followed up and called to make sure that I arrived there safely. So, you know, she really helped curate a really nice experience for me. The woman that was there and gave me the tour was very kind. And, um, I then took the bus pretty much and walked everywhere else that I wanted to see. I went off of the kindness of strangers, you know, people offering a ride, um, people offering information about different places. Um, it was a great time, but the good time came out of the disappointment in one, not going to my first destination. And two, it came out of not being able to book and do any of the things that I anticipated doing when I got there. So 
I close out with that one to say that just because something doesn't go your way or just because something doesn't go as planned doesn't mean that you can't benefit from it. Try to flip the things that don't happen, you know, as you would have perceived them or as you would have envisioned them going. And, you know, the same way you have to maneuver in regular life when things don't happen as, you know, planned or as they don't happen as happen accordingly you you adjust you figure it out and you move on with your fucking day you're we're all big boys and girls and big um if you don't identify as a man or a woman you're you know we're all adults yeah you figure it out and you move on with the day non-binary that's what i was going for um but you should do the same thing on fucking vacation a lot of times you think that because you spent so much money or because you traveled so far to do something that it should happen the way that you wanted to, that you should get your way. But as we've all seen, well, as some of us have seen, it doesn't always fucking work that way. Life will life. Shit will happen. And if you let it just totally ruin your time, you've gone all that way and you've spent all that money just to, you know, be disappointed. So through all those, I tried to explain to you what I actually found as the silver lining or the lesson that I learned so that when things don't go well, you're reminded that you should try to pull from the experience something that you can enjoy and or like just resonate in the space of the universe being intentional. Just because it doesn't happen your way doesn't mean it was it didn't happen the right way. A lot of things happen for a reason and you're never going to miss what was for you. So consider that you are getting the experience that you, I don't want to say deserve because sometimes when things go wrong, I don't want to imply that you or any of us deserve. Well, some of us do. But I don't really want to imply that, you know, for, you know, my listening community. We don't deserve bad things, if you will, right? But nothing is for nothing that's for you will miss you. Go with the flow of the water and don't be like me and spend two minutes swimming against the current. Calm down, get out of your head and flow with the stream. You'll figure it out, guys. Learn from the shit that goes wrong. Make an experience of it. Have a good time. So appreciate y'all that are new to the podcast. Welcome. I hope you guys are enjoying all the content. Uh, As always, thank you to all of you guys who have been supporting me from the beginning, from the middle, and whatever spot you jumped on, keep riding the ride. I appreciate you all, all my international listeners, all my Brooklyn listeners, all my Queens listeners, everybody local, abroad, wherever you're from, thank you. Make sure you follow uh, the Beats on Film Studio, Beats on Film on Instagram. Make sure you follow myself, underscore dcarry, or you can follow the the show at uh, Travel and Shit with an underscore at the bottles, T-R-A-V-E-L, the letter N, and then the word shit, S-H-I-T, with an underscore. And if you have any um, questions about links for places that I've stayed or any details in particular that I may have mentioned during an episode, you can always head over to dcarry.com and, um, you know, find out more information. So there you can also send me an email or, you know, check out more photos from different trips. Blah, blah, blah. The site is you know, continuously developing and evolving. So, all right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to Taji Magazine using code travel and shit. And that's going to be S-H-I-T. So it's travel, the letter N, and then shit to get your 20% off of new digital subscriptions. 
Thanks for listening again. And I will check you guys next week. Okay, bye.